All right, hey, and welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, you know what, uh, Patty said in the video you saw that Wednesdays has become one of her favorite nights. For many of us, that's true. Uh, I am loving Wednesday night. Now, right now, it's all online. But this Wednesday, I want to give you a heads up. We're going into prophecy. Two weeks on Bible prophecy. And I don't want you to miss it. I want you to tune in. Uh, this week, I'll be talking and teaching. And get ready for this. The second week, I have a Messianic rabbi coming. Does that sound cool or what? Yeah, so uh, uh, don't miss out. Matter of fact, I'd encourage you to have a watch party. Say to people, hey, hey, the next two weeks, uh, let's either gather together or meet at the same time separately. But by the way, if you have a watch party, you need food. So plan food, okay? Uh, but, but it's going to be a great time. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, uh, and the following Wednesday at 7 o'clock. I don't want you to miss out on that. But um, I want you to think about something. Uh, some of you are like me. You love when things are not just incredible, when they're mega. I, I like that word mega. By the way, it's a Greek word, megas, where we get mega. And in James chapter 4, verse 6, it says that God gives not just grace, he gives mega grace. Now, I don't know, are you like me? Like, I want a mega burger. I don't want a little burger. Yeah, yeah. I want a mega burrito, right? You know, I got to have that. And, uh, I even love the mega church. Uh, and I love the mega sermon. Okay, I'm, yeah, yeah. No 30 minutes, no one hour, two hours of teaching. Right, Zach, what do you say? Two hours. Dave, don't you agree? Okay, we're going to, no, not really. Okay, I'm the only one. But I do want you to key in that word, that, that Greek word, megas. It's so important to understanding what Jason, James is trying to get you and I to see. And the word literally means great in size, great in stature, great in gesture. In other words, something you can't miss. It's so big, so amazing, so incredible. And it's an overflowing grace that God wants to pour into your life. Uh, the word grace, by the way, is very often misunderstood. Uh, the word grace, it comes from a Greek word, karios or charis, and it literally means a gift. See, here's the thing I want you to understand. The grace of God is God's gift to you, but it's not just a gift. Even without the word mega in front of it, the word grace is a gift so incredible that you leap for joy. So incredible, you can't contain it within. It won't just make you smile. It'll make you cheer. See, that's the whole idea behind it. So let me give you an example of that, uh, of what the grace of God is. See, if I found out, let's say I found out that you were in debt and struggling with your bills, and I got a time with you and I sat down and I said, hey, will you just get honest with me? Are you struggling? Are you in debt? And you might say, yeah, I am. And to be honest, I just made some bad decisions. And I'll say, that's not, okay, we're not going to talk about your bad decisions. We're going to talk about a solution. So I want you to know, I met with you today wanting you to get honest so I could pay off all your debt. I'm going to pay it off. Now you'd go, whoa, that's incredible. But I said, not just that. I'm going to finance you for the next five years. Now you're going, whoa, okay, they, I even got a reaction there, yeah. Then I said, but you know what? I don't like where you're living. I'm gonna buy you a house free and clear on top of it. But I decided I can't just get you a house. I'm gonna get you, not that house, I'm gonna get you this house. That's your new house. 
Okay, that's called grace. That's the idea of grace, okay? That's not just grace. I mean, you would be walking around. Now, here's the thing. If you lived in that house, every time you got up in the morning, you'd be in awe. You'd look out on the Pacific Ocean going, oh, man. You'd go to bed at night seeing the sunset, and you'd think this, I am loved, I am loved. And, and you know what? Is That's how God wants you to live your life. Amazed by the love, amazed by the grace. It's kind of like if I said, well, I'm not just going to buy you a house. I decided I'm going to buy you a car too. And so this is a nice car. And, and you'd say, okay, that's pretty cool. But I got, no, nah, I'm not going to buy you that. I'm going to get you a Jeep. I'm going to get you something you can have fun in. But I can't just get you that Jeep. We got to lift that baby. Uh, we got to outfit that. 37 inch tires. I can't tell you how many times I'll be driving and someone will go, 37 inch tires. Do you understand that's what grace is? And God wants you to experience the greater grace. So we're going to talk about what gives you the greater grace, but what would stop the greater grace. So in James, we are saying that he's probably, without a doubt, putting us to a test, the faith test. And the faith test is this. Are we going to live by God's wisdom? Uh, and if we do, we'll have a life of peace and joy. If not, you and I know, we saw a couple weeks ago, that we're not living in the wisdom of God if we have chaos and we feel like our life is, is, is in conflict. Uh, so if you have chaos, quarrels, and conflict, you're not living in the wisdom of God. But if you have peace, love, and joy, then you're living in the wisdom of God. And so now he comes to what we call the final test, the final exam. Like, it's like this question is bigger than all the others put together. You know, like when you, you have that final essay question, you know, in college. He said, this is the one. And the question is this, are we prideful or are we humble? See, we know that real faith, real relationship with God is going to be exemplified by humility that comes from the inside and goes out. It's, it's apparent in everything of who you are. Uh, it's apparent in your life. It's the definition of your life that you're a humble, humble person. And pride causes us to fail the test. Pride causes us to shut off the blessing of God. So here's what happens. is James is saying, the fact that you and I are not caught up in conflict and quarrels. We're not caught up in that. He says, you know what God does though in the midst of a world that's that way? He gives the greater grace. James chapter four, verse six says this. But he gives the greater grace. That word greater is, remember, mega. He gives a mega grace to you. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, God wants to give you grace. And in the midst of that grace, you get forgiveness of sins. Uh, you, get, uh, uh, you become a new creation. You have the power to overcome. You have freedom from your past. Are you ready for this one? You know your identity. You know who you really are without a doubt. Uh, you know your purpose. You know your calling. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know the voice of God and the leading of God in your life. All of that comes through the grace of God. All of that is given to you. And it produces in you a joy. A joy so great that you want to leap for joy. That's what God wants for you. And that's what God wants for me. And it should not just be something we say. It's something we experience. Something we live. Why? Because God loves to give you gifts. You see, it's so interesting that I think a lot of time people don't understand. That's who God is. God is the great gift giver. And he loves to bless you. He loves to give you gifts. 
I, I want you to look at Hebrews eleven six with me. It says, without faith, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and, did you see the last part? Do you see what it is? That he's what? A rewarder. A rewarder of those who seek him. Do you believe that if you get in the presence of God, you're going to get blessed? Do you believe that? Yeah, because that's what it's supposed to be. When the hand of God goes up, it's to give you something good, not to beat you down. Did you know that? Uh, sometimes I, I think a lot of people who are Christians even make God seem like an abusive father. He is not an abusive father. The voice of God is caring. The voice of God is loving. Even when it's convicting, it brings out the best in you and the best for you. And so you need to know that God is the giver of every good gift. That's what James is going to talk about. We're going to get to that, that, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. That's God. And, and God, God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. But he said, I can't bless you if you've got a problem. And that problem is if you are prideful. For It says that God gives the greater grace. Uh, but we need to understand that God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So he's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Uh, when I started uh, Hope University, I was so excited because the first time I got to learn Greek, any kind of idea of Greek, I was so excited. And our, my professor assigned me, he assigned each one of us something different. He assigned me that word opposed. Now, now, I didn't think at the time that maybe he assigned it is because I needed to learn it. <laughs> I mean, like, not knowledge. Like, he might have said, Chuck, you, you're in trouble. Uh, but, but the word opposed, opposed to the proud, is a, a Greek word, antitasso. Antitasso. And it means against. But it doesn't just mean against. It means to arm yourself completely. Or to set an army in full battle array against. Do you understand what that word means? When I read it, I sat there going, oh my goodness, not only is the Bible rich, not only is the Bible deep, but it's important for you and I to know that, that God, God himself is against you when you're prideful. Why? Because it's not good for you. Uh, it's the worst life you could ever live. And so what it's like saying is this, is that God wants to just spray your life with blessing. He wants you to have an overflowing blessing. The Bible actually said it's not a hose. It's a river of living water. Actually, I misquoted that. Anybody know what I said wrong? I said it's singular. It's rivers of living water God wants to give you, not river. But you know what happens sometimes is the hose gets crimped. And all of a sudden, instead of the flow of the Spirit in your life, the blessing of God, uh, every inch of your life, all of a sudden it's all crimped and shut off. And you know what shuts it off is pride. And God said, I don't want this crimping happening. I don't want this quenching happening. I want you to experience the free flow of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. And so here's the question I'm asking you to think about today. Do you pass the test of being humble or are you prideful? And maybe the best way to answer that question is this. Are you being blessed so, so much you can't believe it? Are you getting up in the morning like almost in the beach house walking around going, Lord, look what you did in my life. Uh, uh, are you experiencing God's blessings like that? And, and, and I want you to know that that's what God wants for you. So God says, don't miss this. What will stop it? What will crimp the hose is when you're, you're, you're prideful. When you're prideful. 
So much of what's been happening this last year tells me a lot about pride and a lot about people's lack of humility. Uh, you know, and, and so we need to understand that we're watching a lot of people got put to the test this last year, and, and they're filled with pride. You know why? One of the ways pride comes out is a sense of entitlement. Let me get super controversial. I don't need anybody to tell me to wear a mask. Right? Now let me ask you a question. When I see someone who's older, someone whose health is in trouble, someone who's in danger, would, it in, would I, in humility, put on a mask to protect them and not care about my own comfort? Would I do that? And you know what? A lot of people who are calling themselves Christians in the name of Christ aren't saying, how do I serve more vulnerable people? How do I not care for those who are in more peril? You know the difference between pride and humility in that moment. And it's outwardly seen in such an easy way. And, and if you don't like what I just said, let me, I'm going to say this out of love. Then you need to get on your knees before God and ask where your heart is. That's what you need to do. Well, we can't play this game anymore. We've got to understand. God says this. I want to bless you, but you can't be prideful. You can't walk around with the I deserve mentality. See, pride has that I deserve mentality. It has entitlement written all over it. Uh, and you know what? Very often when we use these two words, I deserve, it tells me then I am being prideful. By the way, as a believer in God, what do you deserve? What's the answer? You deserve hell. <laughs> yeah, somebody said nothing. Well, you're right, but you also deserve to burn for all eternity. Uh, but God, God says, instead, I want to make you my child. I want to bless you. And we don't walk around with an I deserve. We walk around with God, how can I serve? Get the, not I deserve, how can I serve? Uh, that's a big, big way that we see the difference between pride and humility. Uh, and very often, that will well up within us. But, but what you really need to ask, what I need to ask is, are we manifesting outwardly the life of Jesus Christ, the attitude of Jesus Christ? Uh, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, Notice that word, with humility of mind, regard one another is more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But what did Jesus do? He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, not deserving serving. And he said, being made in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and those who are on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. He said, I want you to live with the mindset of Jesus, uh, with the lifestyle of Jesus. I want you to be that way. And then when you do, he says, you access a greater grace, a mega grace, a blessing that flows into your life when you exemplify that and have that to be true of you. 
So then James goes on and tells us how to live that out. How can we live that out? And so how do you manifest true humility? And so let me just give you the orders important that James gives us. Number one, he says, submit to God. Submit to God. Uh, James 4, 7 says, submit to God. Uh, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we need to be submissive to God. Uh, Pam and I have, uh, from the very moment we met, shared a love of animals. Uh, I, and that's just what we, we love animals. Uh, we love dogs. I, I'll get honest. I even love cats. I know some of you are going, really? I'm allergic, but I love them from a distance. But we uh, one time got this dog that was the best dog almost we ever had. His name was Galahad. I want to show you a picture of him. Yeah, isn't he cute? That, that was a beautiful, beautiful yellow lab. And uh, when we got him, oh, man, we were in love with him from the moment we saw him. And so we brought him home, and, and we started raising him up, and he house broke like that. I couldn't believe it. And, and then it came time to start his training. And uh, I, I, I actually am willing to get the wisdom of other dog trainers, but I also know a, a, a little bit about it. And, and so what happened is Pam and I go outside, we're going to start him on leash training. So I put the choke collar on him, you know, and I set it up correctly. And he and I are going to begin to walk. And you already know, all you know, dog training, what am I going to do? I'm not going to hurt him, but I'm going to turn. And it's going to jerk on him just enough so that he realizes I got to watch, you know, Chuck. He's my master. And so Pam and I are walking along and I get ready to do the first turn and I take it. And he drops to the ground and starts shaking almost in a convulsion. And Pam looks at me and goes, what did you do to him? And I'm looking at him and I said, Pam, I didn't do anything to him. She goes, you hurt him. I said, I promise I didn't hurt him. She goes, why does he look like that then? And so I'm thinking, I don't know. So I get a hold of a really good dog trainer and I have him come over and I said, I, I you watch. And I did it and he does it again. And she looked at me and she goes, Chuck, this dog is already so submissive. You don't need to do anything. All this dog wants to do is please you. He's not hurt. He's, he's reacting emotionally because he thinks you dis he's, he's, you're disappointed in him. He'll do whatever you want. And you know what he did? I don't know. I can't hardly remember a time he did the wrong thing. When I told him one time to stay in our yard, he would go out and lay in the front yard and not leave our yard. I almost never had to walk him on a leash because he stayed by my side. I remember one time uh, he was out in the front yard sitting there and the kids across the street are waving treats and he won't leave the yard. Uh, he never barked at anybody, never bit anybody. And you know what? That, uh, that dog was a joy. And whenever anybody got around my dog Galahad, you know what they always said? Oh, he's the best dog ever. But it wasn't me. He just was submissive. Then later on, uh, an another time, we got another little dog. It was a... a, a a mixture dog, and um, we named her Sassy. It was prophetic. We didn't realize that. <laughs> she was the most rebellious dog I've ever met. So my son Tim, when he was little, he gets down on his knees and he goes to pet her, and she bites him on the face, like hard. Then she bites Rich. Then she bites Pam. Then I'm like, what are you doing? You, you know, and so I go to control her and she just keeps coming at me. Then my niece comes over. She jumps on the couch, bites her so hard through her jeans, she's bleeding. Now she's still a puppy. 
And I'm trying to get her to stop. And so again, a dog trainer said, you're going to have to put it in submissive mode. And so what I did is I got her and I held her. I looked at her and said, no, held her down till she'd submit, but she never would. She just kept trying to bite me. So I'd get up in the morning and this little dog would come and try to bite everybody in the house. Tried to bite our neighbor. So I, I took her to Pasadena to the ASPCA there. And they examined her and they said, um, you can't give this dog to anybody. This dog's got a problem that can't be solved. We're going to have to put her down. So I drove home alone. And I go in the house and Pam starts to cry when she hears what happened. Let me say something. Galahad lived the happiest, most blessed life possible because he was submissive. Sassy had to die because she wasn't. Do you know what? I think that's a very good illustration of Christians. Some are living the most blessed lives ever because you're submissive to God. Some, let me get honest, you struggle. You struggle with having Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. The idea when the Lord tells you to do something, you decide, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. That's called rebellion. When you read in Scripture anything Jesus tells you to do, do you do it? Do you just go right away, Lord, that's it, that's, that's what I'll do? Have you submitted your time to God? Have you submitted your priorities to God? Have you submitted your goals to God? If someone said, what's the goals of your life? Say, well, I get them all from Jesus. Do you live your life daily based on what Jesus tells you to do? Because that's the question of humility or pride. Do you and I sometimes think we know more than God? Is your money submitted to God? Uh, and, and so I, I want you to think about that and, and really decide. If I'm going to live a life of humility, it starts by being submissive to the Lord and believing God loves more, gives more, knows more, and I want him to live my life for him. That's where it all begins. And if I don't have that part right, I can't live in the blessing of God. So it starts, number one, submit to God. Number two, what does he say to do next? Resist the devil. Why? The minute you start submitting to God, Satan's going to tempt you with everything he can in every way he can to get you to not follow the ways of God. To get you to live a life that's opposite of that. So James says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And you and I need to actively be a part of resisting the devil. So the devil's going to tempt you with entitlement, I deserve. The devil's going to tempt you to be mean towards those in your life. By the way, I think very often he's going to tempt you most with the people you love the most and who love you the most. Have you ever noticed how many of us are the meanest or most irritable towards the people who are closest to us? And yet you'd never treat a stranger that way? And, and I think that without a doubt is the devil trying to get you on that. Uh, the, devil, the devil's voice is going to be in your mind. The Bible calls those the flaming darts of the evil one. He's going to shoot a thought in there. By the way, not every thought you've ever thought is from you. Some are from God. Some God, times God gives you thoughts, but the devil can give you thoughts too. So if you, anybody know where I'm going with this? Have you ever stood there and all of a sudden you had the meanest thought you could imagine? You thought, where'd that come from? Well, it probably wasn't you. The enemy was trying to tempt you to be mean, irritable, uh, maybe sexually immoral. A, 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 a lustful thought came. You're like, where'd that come from? And the enemy's trying to get to you. 
Um, the idea of not forgiving somebody. Or the idea, again, uh, that pride that wells up. Uh, I'll get really transparent and honest. Uh, a little while ago, I was talking with somebody on our staff, and they, they were all excited. They're like, oh my gosh, you got to hear this. I was listening to this podcast, and here's what they said. And they began to quote this other speaker, this other leader. And they're going, that's like dynamic. That's like life-changing. And I stood there listening, and the first thought I had is, I preached on that three weeks ago. You don't remember that? You're not quoting me. You're, you're telling everybody not to go listen to my sermon. You're telling them to go listen to that guy's podcast. You, you're getting people. And, and you know what? I know that wasn't what God wanted me to do. You know why? They're all excited in this moment about a message they got from God through somebody else. And they're excited about the Lord and what they're learning. And I'm shifting it on, well, what about me? Not I'm excited for you to be excited about God. I'm standing there having this temptation to think, wait a minute. What about my great teaching? And you know what the Lord told me? The Lord said, Chuck, it's the message, not the messenger. And you need to be focusing on that. Yeah. And then I do believe the Holy Spirit prompted me to say, I can use a donkey. I don't need you. Because you know what? God, God preached to a donkey before, and, and that guy converted. You know, and uh, you know what? Is, is, <laughs> yeah, we could get to some other names I would be. Uh, but, but the thing is, is too often we do that. So that, that moment where it's like, I want the attention. I want the glory. Not, I'm so excited for you. I'm, I'm so wanting the best for you. And by the way, humble people, humble people want other people to have the best life they can and, and to help them through that. So do we ever find ourselves, you know, struggling in that area? And God wants us to be careful. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And so what do we do next? Number three, draw near to God. Draw near to God. So he's saying get closer and closer and closer to the Lord. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then he tells you how to do that. He talks about the next thing, which is cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you devil-minded. But the Lord says, start by choosing to get in my presence, choosing to be with me. How do you draw near to God? Well, you have intentional times every day where you just get in God's word and you get God's word in you. And we've been teaching that on Wednesday night. Uh, then what else do you do? You praise God. Uh, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And so you and I need to be people who praise the Lord and exalt the Lord and lift him up. And then God comes in and near. And, and we do that with him and for him. And so God's great desires that you and I would live in that. In Psalm 145, there's a, a passage I love. It says, the Lord is near to all who call on him. Whenever I pray, whenever I'm talking to the Lord. And you draw near to God, not just one time a day, but all throughout your day, praying at all times. It says that the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. And the Lord has promised something to you, that, that you're as close to God as you want to be. I can say this, though, I know it's true, but you're not as close to God as he wants you to be. You know why? Because he loves you so much, he always wants you closer and always wants you closer. God loves you. God craves you. God pursues you. 
And you know why? Because he loves you. No one loves you more than God. No one wants to be closer to you than God. Uh, And so God is saying, draw near to me, draw near to me and make sure that's who you are. But he says, when you come, you got to come in purity. That's why he says, number four, cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. So what I need to do is be aware of anything in my life that shouldn't be there. And, and just say, Lord, I want to be cleansed from that. I want to have my heart pure and my, my hands clean. And, and I want to live with you that way. And that's who I want to be. And God is saying to you and God is saying to me that that's what's going to happen in your life. And there are moments and times where it's painful. The closer you get to God, the more sin is going to hurt. Uh, Now, again, you need to not dwell on it and you need to not hold on to it. But in James 4, 9 and 10, it says, be miserable and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. And the Lord is saying, you know what, Chuck? The, The way you just treated your wife, you need to be bummed out about that. That, that's not okay. The way you gave in to that, that moment where now you're not serving, you're not caring, that ought to bother you. The idea you ignored that person, that's not okay. They need to be treated better than that. And you and I need to be miserable and mourn and weep. I'll tell you the hardest thing for me in counseling, are you ready for this? Uh, I, I've had to learn it because I'm not. I haven't. I haven't been good at it. Is when you come to counseling with me and you sit there hurting and broken, and I try to get you out of it too quickly. That's not good for you. I, I've learned I have to sit with people in their pain, and then the healing will come. And there's times I have to sit and and be in the pain of realizing how sinful I can be, even now with the Holy Spirit. How I could be somebody who crimped that hose in the wrong way. And then God's grace will come. The greater grace will come when I'm open to saying, God, I am going to not see sin as a minor thing. I'm open and willing to embrace my sins, put Jesus on the cross. And I can't be okay with that. And then in verse 10, he summarizes this whole section by saying, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. You gotta let God lift you up though. You gotta let God take you out. You gotta let God show you the amazing things. Why? Because God wants to give you the greater grace. So today, where are you? I need to ask the question, where am I? So I'm gonna ask the question, where are you? Are you someone who can honestly say you're submitted to God? That you're humble and not prideful? That you're committed to doing whatever he tells you to do? You're no holding back. No halfway. No picking and choosing. It's all, an all-out commitment. Are you someone submitted to God? Are you someone who is willing to put other people's interests above yours? Uh, And are you someone who wants to live in that love? And is the spirit flowing, not being crimped? And by the way, let me just tell you, the Bible says, if that's not what's happening in your life, then it says, call on the name of the Lord and be saved. 
Because the Lord is close to all who call upon him. He draws near to those who draw near to him. And right now there are some of you, you may need to draw near to God. There may be something going on in your life you need to stop. But it starts by submitting to God and saying, God, I want that to stop, but I need your help. Maybe right now for you, maybe right now for you it's a need to say, I, I've been giving in to the voice of the devil and the voice that's not good. So if that's who you are, then don't stay that person anymore. And it's interesting that the Bible says the two steps we take in drawing near to God is number one, praying and calling out to him. And then number two, making it known. So that's what we do here at Crossroads. We always ask people, if you're ready to say yes to God and see real life change happen and see a real experience of the intimacy of God, it starts by praying. And in a moment, I'll lead that prayer. And then you have to make it known. So if you're here on the patio, we ask you to come forward. Now, some people ask, well, why would I do that? Why would I step out and make that walk? Because what you're doing is you're humbling yourself before God and you're saying, you know what? I I actually want it to be known that I'm submitting my life to him. Now, if you're online, we ask you to either text in to 77247 uh, or we ask you to go to crossroadschurch.family and make it known. And, and by the way, I think when we refuse to make it known, what we've done is God's wanting the grace to come. We just shut it down. And uh, I remember one time here at Crossroads, I was talking to a man who three weeks in a row felt God calling him to come forward. He could feel it, but he fought it. He said, I don't know why. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want the attention on me. And by the way, when you make that walk, the attention is a little bit on you, but it's more on God. Does that make sense? And then finally, after three weeks, he stepped out and came. And he said, I don't know why I held back. I had no idea how that was going to feel. And God was like, yeah, that was a greater grace moment. So right now, for some of you, this is the greater grace moment. So let's pray. Father, I pray right now for those who need to submit to you and humble themselves before you. They need right now, Lord, to let go of maybe anger or hatred or pride. That sense of entitlement. They need to just be willing to give everything about who they are and everything about how they live to you. So I pray for them right now, Lord, to experience your love. I pray for them to feel your presence. So, Lord, I pray. I pray for some men who need to open their hearts to you and call out to you right now and pray this prayer. I pray for some women who need to do the same thing. I pray for couples who need to do it together. If that's you, then right now I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back.
But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now. And make me yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen if you prayed that prayer. Well, amen. You know what? If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, or maybe you're recommitting your life to Jesus today, we are so proud of you. We're excited to celebrate with you. In fact, we would love for you to text amen to 77247 so that we can send you something and congratulate you. We have lots of resources we would love to send your way also to help you on this journey in your relationship with Jesus and connecting with us as a church. Now, if you didn't just make a decision for Jesus or a recommitment for him, maybe you're wondering how to take your next step because after all, no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, there is a next step for you. And so you can head right now to crossroadschurch.family. Click on, I'm ready to take my next step. And you're going to see a whole bunch of opportunities there for you. Find the one that fits you best. But once again, we want to thank you for joining us today. I want to welcome you or to invite you rather to join us on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock. We're right here online. And again, on Sundays at 9 a.m. live or on demand anytime after that. We have some great messages coming up this week we don't want you to miss out on. And of course, if this message added value to your life, make sure to share it with somebody else. Click that like button. Let us know what resonated with you so that we can encourage you this week. We respond to every comment that comes through on YouTube. So make sure to do that then as well. And we hope to see you again. Hit that subscribe button so that you never miss out on new messages we put out from Crossroads. Until then, we'll see you next time.